If you have your Bibles tonight, we're interested in the book of Mark, chapter number 6 this evening. Mark, chapter number 6. A lot of verses that we feel that we need to deal with tonight. And sometimes we preach a lot of verses quicker than we preach one verse. Amen. And um, Mark, chapter number 6. I want to read tonight the first three verses of this passage. Uh, and then we'll stop and make some comments. The book of Mark chapter 6, and I want to begin reading in verse number 14. Mark 6, 14. And King Herod heard of him, for his name was spread abroad. And he said that John the Baptist was risen from the dead, and therefore mighty works do show forth themselves in him. Others said that it is Elias, and others said that it is a prophet or as one of the prophets. But when Herod heard thereof, he said, it is John, whom I beheaded. He is risen from the dead. Now, isn't that just an incredible thing? It's John that I beheaded. He is risen from the dead. Now, I begin to think about why that King Herod would chop off the head of the man of God, John the Baptist. I don't want to preach on this thought tonight, God being my helper, silencing the voice, silencing the voice. There are many voices in the world today. They tell me that they're hearing voices even in outer space. And we've heard the voices of the world. We've heard the voices of the cancel culture. We've heard the voices of the woke crowd. We've heard the voices of Hollywood. We've heard the voices of entertainers. We've heard the voices of politicians and of our government leaders, but have we heard the voice of the greatest one ever to speak, which is the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ? The Bible says in the book of Revelations, chapter 3 and verse 20, if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in unto him. Jesus said in John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice. Jesus' voice is the power, is the voice of power and the voice of authority. Look back with me in verse number 12. Remember, Jesus has taken his disciples. He sent them out two by two. And the Bible says they went out and preached that men should repent. And they cast out many devils and anointed with oil many that were sick and healed them. Now, King Herod has heard what these disciples have been out doing. And he said that it must be John the Baptist risen from the dead. He had put John the Baptist to death for preaching the truth, for doing that which is right. He wanted to silence the voice of the man of God. You know what John had said? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. And, and Herod said, I'm chopping his head off to get rid of him. May I say this tonight before I preach? That the world does not mind this building. They don't mind your windows. The steeple does not bother them. Your family life center, your sign down here at the road, this carpet and these pews you sit on, they're unaffected by it. But what the world is against is the voice of God Almighty that is within you. If you are saved, He lives 
within you. His power, hallelujah, and His authority is within you. And the world would like to silence our voice. When I look at this text, number one, I see the circulating report. Even though these disciples have been forward, sent forward to do this work, and they're out working, they come back, devils are cast out, people are getting healed. Herod heard of Jesus. Look at verse 14. Herod heard of him. He didn't hear about them. He heard of him. You see, they're ministering in a way that brings glory to the Lord and not to themselves. It'd be good if when we go out that we'd give God the glory and not try to heap the glory upon ourselves. Amen. Herod, King Herod, is the pampered, undisciplined son of Herod the Great. And Herod the Great divided his kingdom. After he died, his kingdom was divided into four parts. And Herod Antipas is the ruler, the jurisdiction over Galilee. Herod Antipas has heard John preach many times before. Did you know he respected him? But he rejected the message of John. Why, if he respected him, did he reject the message? So he could play with sin. You see, sin is like a deadly viper that seeks its fangs into you and injects its venom and destroys you. Man calls it an accident. God says it's abomination. Man says it's a blunder. God says it's blindness. Man says, well, it's change. God said it's your choice. Man says, well, it's a defect. God says it results in death. Man causes an error. God says it is enmity between he and us. Man calls it a fascination. God calls it fatality. I got to move on. Man calls it infirmity. God says it's iniquity. Man says we have the liberty to sin. God says it's leprosy of the soul. No matter what you call it, sin will defile and sin will destroy. I'm pretty sure my Bible still says the wages of sin is death. Herod, King Herod, had an opportunity to be saved and he rejected it. And all the mighty works of the disciples working in Jesus' name have reached the palace. They've reached the ears of Herod. And now multitudes are following Jesus. And Herod thinks, it's not this Jesus guy. It's got to be John the Baptist. He's risen from the dead. That is a guilty conscience that's weighing on him. Did you know he's heard about the works but did you know in the scripture that John the Baptist never did a miracle? So it was not his miracles, but it was his message. It was not his wonders, it was his word and the works of the word of God. It's the voice of one crying in the wilderness. It is a voice of confirmation. It is a voice of revelation. You remember as John was out preaching in the wilderness with power and authority and he went down to the Jordan River to baptize 
And in came to the river came Jesus walking and he said, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. You see, the world, they want to silence the church and John the Baptist and men of God and people like us that talk about salvation because salvation speaks of Jesus Christ. And the world would rather chop your head off and stuff a sock in your mouth to keep you from lifting up your voice to cry out. It's a voice not only of revelation, of confirmation. It's a voice of contention. It's a voice of repentance. He's preaching. Look with me in verse 15 again. Some said, well, it's Elijah or another prophet that's raised from the dead. You know what he's preaching? With fire and with boldness. And as he preaches, he's preaching the same message. Repent ye, repent ye, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Amen. Jesus said in Luke 13, 3, Except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. What is repentance? It is getting right with God. It denotes that all men, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. This world is not only against Jesus, but this world is against repentance. I need amen right there. Because we're to preach with compassion to tell them they need to repent and turn away from their sins. And I have a question. Did chopping off John the Baptist's head improve Herod's condition? And did it silence the voice of God? No, you see, he has a voice of revelation. He has a voice, amen, of repentance. He has a voice of rebuke. Now, the Bible tells us about John the Baptist, he would oftentimes warn sinners of judgment which is to come. He would tell the religious leaders, if they're not right with God, to flee the wrath that's to come. He would say, the axe is laid at the root of the tree, and every tree which bringeth not good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. You see, John is declaring the wrath of Almighty God. John is declaring that judgment is coming. Now this world does not want to hear about hell. Right here in your church, I was praying right there with somebody who was getting saved. I preached on hell and I had somebody get mad, walk out and said, I'll never come back to hear you preach again ever because you preached on hell. Right in your very own church. I have a question. Did cutting off John's head Silencing his voice, cool the flames of hell by one degree? No, it didn't change one thing. It's a voice of retribution. Herod chopped off, look with him, verse 16. When Herod heard thereof, he said, It is John whom I beheaded. He is risen from the dead. He chopped off his head to silence his voice. And we know that his disciples came and carried away his corpse and buried it in a tomb. And Herod thinks it's over with. Nobody knows it's done away with. I'll never hear the voice of John the Baptist crying, repent, repent, repent again. And now these disciples go out preaching. And verse 12, what were they preaching? Repent. What is Jesus preaching? Repent. And man, he cannot stand to hear it anymore. He cannot silence the voice. 
He Look at his admission of guilt in verse 16. It is John whom I beheaded. That's his confession. He is risen from the dead. Number two, now here we go. I want us to look at the convicting rebuke. In verse 17, I want us to consider the affair that Herod has had. For Herod himself had sent forth and laid hold upon John and bound him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her. Herod Antipas was married. He went to visit another region of the area where his brother Philip was ruler over. While he was there, he fell in lust with his brother Philip's wife. She fell in lust with him. Sounds like a modern day soap opera. They had an affair together. Herod divorced his wife and took Herodias and brought her home with me like there's no hanky-panky, no problem going on whatsoever. And he thinks because it was done on the other side of Galilee that nobody knows. But verse 18, John the Baptist had said unto Herod, it is not lawful for thee to have thy brother's wife. He called it out. He stood before King Herod and named his personal sin. How'd y'all like it if God gave me the ability to name your personal sin and name it before everybody and all over the community every day until you repented of it? I'm pretty sure you'd get mad at me. I'm pretty sure you'd be upset. I'm pretty sure if you had the power, you would see to it that I got arrested so I couldn't lift up my voice. I wouldn't be on Facebook anymore. We wouldn't be on uh, all these other avenues where we could preach because somebody shut me down for preaching the truth that it's God's Word says it's not right for you to have somebody else's wife. He repeated it over and over and over. And the Bible says in verse 8, 17, that he bound him in the prison for Herodias' sake. His wife, was she was filled with wrath and malice and anger and she wanted something done about him. And Herod said, well, I respect him. I don't want to put him to death. I'll just put him in prison. If I put him in prison, it'll go away. It'll settle down. We won't have to listen to him. And his wife said, no, I want to kill him. And Herod protected John the Baptist from his very own wife. Wow, think about that. Look with me in verse number 19. Therefore Herodias had a quarrel against him and would have killed him, but she could not. You know why? First of all, God wouldn't let her. Second of all, Herod was protecting him. Now what about that? I've got to thinking about how John was courageous and he kept preaching repent even in the prison cell. Despite the circumstances, despite the consequences, he preached the truth. I'm just going to tell you something, church. As we go on and on in cancel culture, it'll be more unpopular to go to a church like Bethel where a preacher's going to stand up and preach the word of God It'll be very unpopular. You'll get labeled. There'll be persecution coming. I'm just telling you it's where it's going. They're after your crosses that you have up on the hill. They do not want you to preach against homosexuality, against lesbianism, trans. I'm just telling you. Preacher Darren, you're going to get us kicked out. I don't care. I remember there's some men of God who stood. Moses stood before Pharaoh and said, 
God says, let my people go. Elijah stood before Ahab and said, you have broken the commandments of the Lord. Daniel stood before King Nebuchadnezzar and before Belshazzar and before Darius. And Nathan stood before King David and said, thou art the man. Verse 20, for Herod feared John. Do you see that? Herod was afraid. Herod feared John. And knowing that he was a just man and unholy and observed him. And when he had heard him, he did many things and heard him gladly. He respected him. He heard what he had to say. Isn't that interesting? I believe Herod is under conviction from the preaching of John the Baptist. And I believe that Herod's conscience is troubled to the point that he needs to do something to get saved. John the Baptist issued a convicting rebuke. Number three, I want you to see the conniving request in verse 21. When a convenient day was come, that Herod on his birthday made a supper to his lords, high captains, and chief estates of Galilee. In other words, Herod is throwing himself a lavish party. He's inviting all his cabinet members and his civic distinguished members to be part of it. And all the civil officials gather. It's going to be a drunken, lavish party to celebrate Herod's birthday. Verse 22. And when the daughter of the said Herodias came in and danced and pleased Herod and them that sat with him, the king said unto the damsel, Ask of me whatsoever thou wilt, and I will give it thee. What about that? Herodias, that's Herodias' daughter with another man. This girl, 16, 17, 18 years old, comes before all this gala of all these distinguished people and all these civic organized people and her mother allowed her to dance probably provocatively, suggestively. Say, preacher, Darren, don't mention something. Honey, this is in the Word of God. Going back centuries, amen, of what was going on, amen. And I want you to know that the Tetrarch, Herod, grew tipsy. And when he was drunken, he was a lust-filled sot that began to be overcome by his passions. This is ugly and perverted that a mother would allow her daughter to dance in such a way and show herself in such a way before all these people, especially before her stepdaddy. It's quiet in here, I feel like. I don't know if this is just uncomfortable and you're like, oh, I just know. But you go home and watch it on TV. Ain't got a problem with it. So don't pull back from me when I'm preaching it to you from the Word of God. Amen. It's a shame what that woman did. It's a shame what the girl did. Her name, the little girl's name was Salome, according to the Scriptures. Doesn't mention it in Mark, but in other Gospels, it says her name was Salome. Verse 24. Now, now verse, verse 23, we see that Herod, that drunken sot filled with lust, said, ask me whatever you want, I'll give it to you. But he swearing to her, verse 23, whatsoever thou shalt ask of me, I will give it thee unto the half of my kingdom. 
Now, you know what? She has an opportunity to ask for good things from the king. She could ask for land. She could ask for, she could ask for houses. She could ask for gold. She could ask for silver. She, she could ask for, for favor. Verse 24 says, she went forth and said to her mother, what shall I ask? I'm going to add a word, mommy. And she said, the head of John the Baptist, the mother has found this opportunity for revenge. It's amazing when hatred and malice gets within you, what you're willing to plot and do so you can hurt somebody else and feel better about yourself. I'm telling you, it's just filled you with bitterness, amen? Now, you know why her mother wants the head of John the Baptist? Because she wants to silence the voice. He's in prison. She does not want to hear him down there calling out her and her husband's sin anymore. She doesn't want her husband. He's teeter-tottering on getting right with God probably. And she's afraid of it. And she wants something done. And she says, daughter, I want you to ask for the head of John the Baptist. Cut off the head of the man of God. Verse 25, I want you to see, she came in straightway with haste unto the king and asked, saying, I will that thou give me by and by in a charger the head of John the Baptist. Fourthly, I've only got five. Fourthly, I want you to see the compromising response. Verse 26. The king was exceeding sorry. Time out. That is not repentance. He did not get right with God. He was sorry because he's got himself in a trapped situation. His troubled conscience is now trapped to have to make a choice. What are you going to do, Herod, in this situation? Yet, for his oath's sake, that's his pride, for his word's sake. So now, he, because of his pride, he's unwilling to refuse her. He's willing to reject God. He's willing to reject God's man. And he's willing to accept this young lady's request. Yet for his own sake and for their sakes, which sat with him, that's peer pressure, he would not reject her. It's amazing what your friends will get you into. And mama, I want to tell you this. Anytime your daughter or your boy says it's my friends, you better be careful that your child is not one of those friends that's in it. She may be, he may be blaming it on other people, but the truth of the matter is he may be uh, explicitly in this himself or herself. God help us. Herod is under conviction. He's trapped. He's made a choice. And when he makes his choice, will you hear me? His troubled, trapped conscience that was once very much under conviction is now not only dulled, but it's seared. His conscience becomes dead. God, I believe, flipping, flips him over to be reprobate. At this moment, when he decides he's going to kill the man of God, saying you're sorry is not repentance. Be very careful. I'm repentance is a godly sorrow. 
He didn't have a godly sorrow. He wasn't broken with godly sorrow to get saved. He was just sorry that he's put in this position. Verse 27, And immediately the king sent an executioner and commanded his head to be brought. And he went and beheaded him in the prison. Without hesitation, he sent in an executioner. John was brutally executed because he preached the truth. This is the end on earth of a noble, great man of God. I'll never forget one time, gone to Hendersonville, I was on the streets preaching. I saw some of my people that I was pastor of, and they looked away, ashamed of their pastor preaching on the street. The police came and said, you can't do that here. We have a law that says you can't make all this noise ordinance problems. But on the street as they were driving by, boogity, 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 boom, 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 Not a problem. They said, well, that's, I said, why is that? Well, that's just because they're moving. I said, well, if I preach while I move, you see me preach, will it be okay? No, you need to leave. So I went to the diagonal street corner in Hendersonville and I started preaching there. And there he came again. And I thought, I better be careful. The preacher there is about to get arrested for preaching in Hendersonville. I wonder what would have been said about me if I'd been arrested and I had to call the deacon and say, hey, can y'all come get me out of jail? I was preaching. Oh, preacher, there has to be more to it than that. Just tell the truth. You was down there peddling drugs. You, what, what was you down there doing, preacher? Come on, they've got you for some other reason than that. You know, they can lock you up in America over a noise ordinance if they want to. They'll do what they want to, but you better make your decision to stand on the Word of God. God said, you get in your car right now. About that time, one of my young people's coming down the road, boogity, 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 and looked and seen me, and I waved at him, and he looked away. Come next Sunday, he came and said, Preacher, I seen you out there on the streets. You didn't see me, did you? I said, yeah, I did. He said, I'm so sorry, Preacher. I said, they run me off, but that's okay. I went down to Walmart, and I stood in the grass at the very end of the parking lot. God said, I want you to preach here. And I started preaching in the grass at Walmart. And God said, no, I want you to get in the middle of the parking lot and preach the Word of God right now. And your pastor drove to the middle of the parking lot and I stood up and I began to preach. Repent ye, repent ye for the kingdom of God is at hand. And a group of people began to gather all the way around me to where I was completely encircled. People standing there and people coming by to get buggy. I found out Walmart's the saving place. It wasn't easy to do. I'm telling you, you think, well, preacher, just get up and just drop a hat and preach. It's not easy standing up in the world anymore to preach the word of God. It's not popular. It's, yeah, people are not going to pat you on the back. Your own church people will be ashamed of you. It's okay, preacher, for you to preach in here. But don't go preach out there. It bothers me. It looks bad. Honey, it does not look bad. We love God and we preach when he says preach, amen. Amen. I just want to say, verse 28, they brought him his head in a charger and they gave it to the damsel 
Can you imagine that little girl when they took the top off of that charger and there's the head dripping with blood, the eyes still staring at her? Can you imagine the mouth is closed, there's no voice? She's like, ooh, gross. Why would mommy ever want such a thing as this? Here, mommy, and mommy has a trophy of abomination in her hand. Guilty before God of killing God's man and silencing his voice. But it probably happens every Sunday. In a whole lot serious ways. When you sit down at the house beside your table and you are in, under your table and as you sit there and you're gnawing on your chicken, how'd you like what the preacher said? I didn't really care for that. When you start on the man of God who has just preached to you the word of God and prays over your soul, you are trying to silence the voice of God. It is a dangerous thing to do, especially in the presence of your little ones. Salome, that young girl, has been forever affected because of one drunken party that her mama said, Honey, I want you to get up and dance. Show them everything we taught you in the dance school right now so I can kill the man of God and ruin the spirit. Lord God, that burdens my heart. But they believed they've silenced the voice of the man of God. You know what this world wants to do? This world wants to silence the voice of Bethel Baptist Church. That ought to cause you to go on a red alert. Alarms ought to be ringing in your ears right now to know that the devil wants to shut you down. The world wants to shut you down. I'm telling you, they're not for you. You think they are. You think it's okay. They're plotting right now ways they can plan what you and I can or cannot do at church. They've already tested the waters one time. Years ago, the mayor of Houston said, every pastor in Houston must submit to me their outline before they preach it so I can clear it to say it's okay. We're going back to 1776, the reason we broke away with England. They wouldn't give them freedom on what they could or could not preach. And they came to America for freedom to worship God. And we're back in the same situation again all these years later. Yes, I love my country, but I'm concerned about her tonight. Fifthly, I see the courageous rescue. Verse 29. When his disciples heard of it, I think they're talking about John the Baptist's disciples. He had disciples, remember. When his disciples heard of it, they came and took up his corpse and laid it in a tomb. Boy, that took some bravery, didn't it? They boldly walked in and took up his corpse and went and buried it. And when they buried it, when they laid it in a tomb, burying that body, I'm telling you, Herod thought, I got away with it. It's over. He, the king, was a murderer. And it was just fine. 
It is amazing, our justice system, on how it is not equal. So-and-so gets this, so-and-so does the same thing, but the penalties are totally different depending on who you are. Unblessed believable. It angers me what's going on in our nation. Herod's guilty conscience is now seared. May I say this? Your calling is to be the voice of God to this generation. There was a young man. He got very sick, was dying. The doctor came to see him. He grabbed the doctor's hand. He said, sir, am I dying? He said, young man, I do not think you'll live through the night. He said, oh, my, it's too late. He said, well, I mean, it's too late. He said, it's too late for me to be saved. He said, son, now that you know you're going to die, it's the perfect time to be saved. Call on him while you can. He said, I told myself, I'll get saved, I'll get saved, I'll get saved. But to do it now is just a chicken's way out. And he said no to God and gave in and died and went to hell. I'm just telling you, people, you, it's later than you think that it is. I want to turn to a passage, and I'm done, in the book of Luke. And, and it sounds like I've, I don't know, I, I don't know if I've put you on the edge or not, but it's got quiet in here, and that's alarming to me. In Luke 23, Jesus is brought to stand before Pilate. And Pilate said, Behold, I find no fault in this man. He took Jesus and he had him scourged. They put a purple robe on him. He came back and he said, Behold the man, I find no fault in this man. Finally, when he heard, when he heard that Jesus was from Galilee, Pilate said, Oh, good. I don't have to make a decision regarding Jesus. I can pass him off to Herod. Herod is king of Galilee. That's his jurisdiction. So they took Jesus from Pilate and took him to Herod. Preacher, here's his opportunity. After he's killed John the Baptist, here's his opportunity. Luke 23, verse 6. When Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked whether the man were a Galilean. And as soon as he knew that he belonged under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who himself also was at Jerusalem at that time. And when Herod saw Jesus... He was exceeding glad, for he was desirous to see him of a long season, because he had heard many things of him, and he hoped to have seen some miracle done by him. Then he questioned with him in many words, but he answered him nothing. You see, John the, uh, uh, Herod, the Tetrarch, now is dealing with Jesus. And Jesus answers him not a word. You know why? The man's conscience is seared. He's reprobate. When he killed the man of God, the Lord quit dealing with him right there. Never dealt with him again. And here he stands right here with the Lord. And he could have fell on his face and been begging for the opportunity to be saved. But he didn't at all. He wanted to see a miracle. He, he, you, you, why do some people come to church? I want to see how many people come. I want to see what the offerings are. I want to see if they'll ever get out of this debt. I want to see when the preacher messes up and falls down the steps. That's what I want to see. Why do you come to church? To find fault with others? 
Why do you come to church? For some miracle, some meal that you're going to get? For some social status? I'm telling you, Herod desired that the Lord would do a miracle before him. And the Lord did not even answer him a word. And the chief priests and scribes stood and vehemently accused him. And Herod, with his men of war, set him at naught and mocked him and arrayed him in a gorgeous robe and sent him again to Pilate. You know what he's looking for? Spiritual entertainment. Our churches are filled with people. Y'all look at me. Not even everybody's even looking at me. You know what you cut? You want to be entertained. You want me to get in a pulpit and tell you some new something. Let me tell you something, honey. The gospel is thousands of years old. I'll not tell you anything new. If you can't get excited about Jesus, you're unexcitable. It's not about him doing some new thing for you. Honey, he's done a thing that you should never get over. And you should always be faithful and always praise him and always thank him for. What a Savior. Oh, what a Savior he is tonight. To reject God's messenger is to reject God's truth. Herod is going to end his days living with the haunting guilt of sin. God says, one, Psalm 105. Psalm 105. Won't you see it? Mark it in your Bible. Psalm 105, verse 15. And I'm done right here. I believe that Herod has rejected truth and truth has rejected him. And Psalm 105 verse 15, Touch not mine anointed. Do my prophets no harm. Oh, preacher Darren, you're no, you're no prophet. I'm not talking about myself. John the Baptist was the prophet of God. And I'm going to tell you something. The last Old Testament prophet was John. And when he killed him, he deadened his conscience forever. And one of these days, listen, he tried to silence God's voice. And here after he's killed John, he says, good, that's over. No more deal with it. Now the disciples are out preaching. Jesus is out preaching. Here you and I stand today. And he said, stop it, stop it, stop it. I can't stand that voice anymore. I can't take it. But one day, he'll be called to stand before the Lord at the great white throne judgment. He'll call his name Herod Antipas. How do you plead? Not guilty. Depart from me. I never knew you. Oh, what charge? You would not receive my son and you killed the man of God. John the Baptist, born of women, there has not been a greater born than John the Baptist. And they're going to take Herod and cast him in the lake of fire. Let me tell you something. He will hear very clearly the voice of God on that day. And in the lake of fire, he will never, ever forget the voice of God. Where the worm dieth not. A worm, what is that? Your memory, your mind. It will forever play back 
the opportunities you had sitting on a padded pew in an air-conditioned building, deciding to play church and play with sin. Honey, you won't play with sin. Nobody will play with sin and get by. Nobody. You stand to your feet. Father, this evening as we bow in your presence, Lord, I pray, God, you'd help us. God, maybe there's people tonight that says, Lord, I believe you've spoken to me about sharing the voice of God that's within me. God, help me not to be afraid. Help me to be of good courage. God, help us to stand. And God, help us. If our old flesh gets pricked, and it gets persecuted, that God, we would not cave to peer pressure, but God, we'd stand on thus saith the Lord. God, I pray, I do not want to silence your voice in my life. If anything, I want to hear more about Jesus than I've ever heard before. Help us, Lord, I pray. In Jesus' name, to stand in the world in which we now live. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray and ask, Amen and Amen.